good evening. Let's get right into another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, how are you? Alrighty, doing Doc, pretty good. Doc, how are you? I'm doing well, and yourself? I'm doing okay. Well, no, I'm not. Here we go. We start out with right, the right into it. Right into a quote. Just before noon on Wednesday, September 9th, 2015, while I was standing on a sidewalk outside my hotel in Midtown Manhattan, waiting for a car to take me to the U.S. Open, a plainclothes New York City police officer tackled me to the ground, handcuffed me, paraded me down a, side, a crowded sidewalk, and detained me for 10 minutes before he and his four colleagues realized they had the wrong man. The officer who was apparently investigating a case of credit card fraud, did not identify himself as a member of law enforcement, ask my name, read me my rights, or in any way afford me the dignity and respect to every person who walks the streets of this country. And while I continue to believe the vast majority of our police officers are dedicated public servants who conduct themselves appropriately, I know that what happened to me is not uncommon. When this incident was reported in the news media, Mayor de Blasio and Commissioner Braddon both called me to extend their personal apologies, and I greatly appreciate those gestures. But extending courtesy to a public figure mistreated by the police is not enough. As I told the Commissioner, I am determined to use my voice to turn this unfortunate fortunate incident into a catalyst for change in the relationship between the police and the public they serve. For that reason, I am calling upon the City of New York to make a significant financial commitment to improving that relationship, particularly in those neighborhoods where incidents of the type I experienced occur all too frequently. The Commissioner has agreed to meet with my representatives and me to discuss our ideas in that regard, and we very much look forward to that meeting. End quote. And before you get going, I want got one question, and if today was the first time I heard this mentioned on any media outside of us, do we still know what the perpetrator or suspect looks like? I saw one picture of. Did he look like us, or was somebody that? If you're not paying attention. That's what I, that, uh, go ahead, go ahead. If you're not paying attention, you you would assume or make it a false assumption. But then also on Twitter, the person who posted that photo of side by side of James Blake we're talking about and uh -huh. this other person, person, the other person wasn't the right guy that they're looking for. So basically, so basically, the we would have fell into a, a uh, uniformly there they go. Y'all look alike, kind of thing. That's right. Because I was joking around with one of our colleagues today. Hell, I look like James Blake. Yeah. So I could be arrested or tackled for standing while black. And when he says that he's saying that he is of African-American descent and he happens to be of light complexion. So that's where he's talking about we all look alike. So you have this framework that many have talked about over the years that they all look alike. That came out of the 60s when you were describing people of color. At that time, you were talking about a darker hue, and as you have had descendants and offsprings of individuals that uh, have lighter complexions, then you have the same framework with individuals of light complexions. The picture was the wrong person, so it was a question about the information they're given, which really brings into this huge 
question of just how much latitude um, is the right latitude to give to police essentially where this goes back obviously you have the racial context contexture to this that really frustrates a lot of people of color that have had experiences like this that clearly see this as uh, a, a problem and a concern that we continue to talk about uh, but until you have other individuals that actually believe it's a problem I'm not sure much will change I mean it's good to see that people will fight the issue but the problem is is those that are in uh, powerful positions at this point still refuse to see it as a problem these are all isolated cases and no matter how many we stack up how much the data suggests that it's not everybody um, in a large position of those in uh, particular positions of power political positions of power refuse to see that and when and there is this there is this one contextual framework that i think is important to point out before we get more into the discussion in regards to this particular incident is the fact that that so many people have painted this picture that you can't have both of these ors you know you won't use the and that if you somehow coalesce the police and strip them of some of the power that you're going to have this reign of terror versus understanding that they're not some synonymous that they don't go hand in hand that you can't have individuals that can practice law and practice it very well in terms of protecting and serving not actual law in terms of litigation that those individuals can do a great job and do it very well and stay within the boundaries of providing people of just basic dignitary their basic dignity and that's exactly that was removed from the situation which frustrates me what gets me one of the one of the things that frustrates me is the <clears throat> excuse me the blind eye of the people who just don't see, refuse to see. Seen on Twitter today. What, what was wrong with what the officer did? It wasn't that bad tackling. Point blank. The officer did not read James Blake his rights. We are in America, right? I think so. I, I would think, first and foremost, that should concern everyone. Well, I think you have to really look at it and how many people don't even fundamentally know their rights, first of all. That's, that's a major concern. <clears throat> Many people, again, have provided police and policing such a huge net of what they are doing to protect you, quote-unquote, I mean, uh, and protect these other folks, that they have this great latitude. latitude to really go across boundaries of what we know are the law. And so when you have so many people that are stripped of that mindset, that they don't even realize that you're talking about basic fundamental rights in the United States. And they refuse to see that because they don't understand it, don't know it, which to me is a, really a sad indication of where we are in America. So let me ask this question then, and just phrase it out there. And for, you can text in or, uh, or whatever. Tweet. Tweet in. Does the phrase still reference today, even though we've come this far, do we still have far to go hell yeah it's no question i mean when you have incidents like this that continue to pop up you would have a lot of people that would suggest in a lot of ways that it's went backwards uh that, that you have and you have this large mass so it's hidden in such a way that people think because individuals have monetary levels of success that they still have humanity and just because you have money does not make you have humanity and i think this is a perfect example of the individual 
uh, that is a public figure, he said, in which many people would believe is financially well off uh, and still cannot refrain. And then you go back, as I was reading in the New York Times, that this incident happened 20 years ago to the time to an NBA player that actually now owns the black owns black enterprise ceo and president black enterprise and he said the description at the time was worse from the standpoint that it was unequivocal that the individuals didn't look alike because the person they were looking for was like 510 and had dreads obviously he had a shortcut was in a suit and was like six four or whatever as a basketball player if not taller and so he was frustrated about it and so you continue to see these incidents they seem to come up even more and so I think it's we have to get to the point where at least we can discuss it because most people refuse to discuss it as you talked about Chris that people don't even want to see it they don't even want to admit that it's an issue so how can you solve something if people really don't even see it as an issue right and they have no empathy to even contemplate that it, it could ever, it could happen to them correct that is where that is, that is that, the that, crux that, of the problem right yeah that police yeah. could just stop anybody. Tackle you. Don't read your rights. Oh, 15 minutes later. Oh, I'm sorry. We got the wrong person. They didn't even say they're sorry. Though. Well, the officer who tackled James, it has not said he's sorry. And Other that, people involved have apologized. It looks like he's not going to, apparently. Right. Because it's he's too many, it's too many administrative Well, approaches. he has a major problem from the standpoint. It's difficult for him to, uh, to admit it because he's already under investigation for two Prior Multiple incident, yeah. prior incidents of alleged brutality, which lets you know a lot about him, even more so. But what frustrates me a lot is that you'll have officers come out and say that we're doing good work. Many of them said that uh, we're, you have good officers, and they will oftentimes even state that there's bad and good in any organization, but they don't deal with their bad. And that that's the, what that's, really bothers me. All of us know. That there are, are excellent police officers. And many of them have us in our family. Friends. Yes. Yep. Uncles, family. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it's ludicrous to me when you have people of color and they're asking you about this and you're assuming as if they don't trust the police when we have pushed to have people of color in, in police, policing, if you would. And so many of us have friends, colleagues, classmates, schoolmates that we pray for, um, deal with, seek to make sure that they're doing well. We have family gatherings, fraternity brothers, sorority sisters, all these different things that are common into the cultural nuances of life. And boy, maybe the same day, uh, Tabo Cephalosha said he's going to court. He don't want no plea deal with the city of New York, the police department. He is going to court for what happened to him. The trial date will be October 5th, you know, back in April, in the early morning hours. You know, police, there's video of this too. One of the officers, I believe it was a, with their nightstick. You can't really see it, but took swings yeah. at Tabo's leg, ankle. Next thing you know, Tabo's out for the playoffs, moving around in a, in a leg cast because he's injured. All because of the officers say Tabo did not listen and do what they said, and they had to use force to restrain him. 
and Tabo has maintained his innocence. He did everything the officers said. So, which is if people are noticing, <clears throat> that seems to be the common refrain: is that if you don't do what they say, or that they were in danger, afraid of their life, and it's almost as if they have this get free card that just allows them to do whatever they believe is uh, in their right to do it. And if it wasn't to this recent Supreme Court case in terms of tolling, as in Robbie tolling in regards to that, that uh, at, but prior to that, it seemed like that was the case, and now you're starting to see things change. So that is one good thing from a legal framework. And what we're talking about happens, and these are, these are sports figures, so, but it also happens to Regular citizens that look even like more, even more so. that look like us, even more so. And you know we're going to tie it all together and get into on the field and on the court issues as well. But this this is what we talk about sports and more in the KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. But I want to say this, mention this, acknowledge Roland Martin, who went to what high school Wildcat. Uh, I think it's down the street called Jaggy. Yes, I think that's it. And a Texas A&M graduate. He has his own oh, show yeah. on uh, TV One. He, he was in town News last week. One now. Oh yeah, he was at uh, the Aggies Arizona State game as well. He took a couple of selfies. But uh, one of the things when it was announced that the city of Baltimore uh, reached a settlement, six point four million dollars with the family of Freddie Gray in uh, his death. Where are it's political? So forgive me. Who's paying? Who pays for the settlement? We do. Taxpayers. They always do. Exactly. So where are the fiscally responsible conservative folks who, why aren't they up in arms about why are we settling, why are taxpayers paying for all this money? Because it doesn't fit the narrative. In fact, they would say just the opposite. They would say that we need to uh, tell them yes, sir, no, sir. They would tell say that we need to uh, pay for their lunch. Uh, and I'm not saying that those are things that you can't do if you have the uh, monetary uh, are in a position to do it, I should say. Or if you feel like it's what you want to do. But for somebody as physically conservative to suggest this, but then, as you said, don't come back when these allegations come back and financially rip the city apart in terms of all these settlements. It, it, it's just amazing to me. But we know it. It's political suicide, and it just doesn't fit the narrative. Well, let me ask this question. Because uh, one statement came up repeatedly over the last three days. Well, since, yeah, that's right, over the last three days, because it was just happened over the weekend. Apparently, when civil cases against a municipality or whatever is brought up, if it goes to federal courts of uh, to the federal court, there's an unlimited. That's not a cap put on on a uh, reward or whatever uh, settlement on the settlement. So and and they, everybody keeps mentioning they were afraid of that particular part of the case, not with them just you know just going back and forth in a state uh, uh, with the state or just the city. They were, they were afraid, they, Roland, Roland said, "Quarter roll. I'm not sure if it was the city of Baltimore or the state of Maryland. The cap typically is four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, that's because in, in but it, the settlement that the city of Baltimore reached with the family of Freddie Gray was six point four million dollars. Now, the reason I that's the reason I'm bringing this up. 
is because two different topics and subjects that have come up and they've gone in, in all different directions knowing that the cap is less than 500,000 and you keep and, and everybody keeps mentioning with, with the, from the city attorney to the city to the mayor people on the board that's voting that voted for the for the settlement said they were afraid of going to federal court I don't get it if you are a, a, a protector a voted uh, employee of the city your objective is to take care of the city not be worried about things about cases going to federal court or whatever because that's down the road no I, I, am, I, I, am I, I wrong yeah I disagree from this standpoint they look at it just as as two ways just as a general business practice that's how they handle it uh, generally speaking they just it's just a plain that's how we do business and two it allows you to stop it right there you now you don't have to worry about any more depositions any more information going out that this continues to linger which uh, allows people to dig deeper into regards is this not the only case so what they try to do is cover it up get it done with and move it out the way and simply put nobody's out there except for us obviously on this podcast and i'm sure there's some other uh instances of news media talking about it but generally speaking nobody's making this a big deal nobody's really asking the questions the tough questions in regards to who pays this money so yes it gets blasted out there and then it disappears so when it comes back to election time or things of that nature nobody's gonna ask that question so this is not something that is not done often in fact if you dig up I mean, you, you had the fact when this came out two weeks when the city was burning that they had settled, what, 20-plus cases for millions of dollars. This is how they do business. They have a fund set aside to settle, to take care of these settlements between they know what's citizens happen. and officers. This is business. This is how business a, operates. I, I'm getting it. There was a I'm story done, it. I think, in New York Times or the Washington Post talking about the city of Baltimore has set aside it's almost there's a budget that they have the, the, to the, deal with this it's gonna happen i get it settlement but, settlement issues but i mean it's like emergency from instead of going to the core and fixing the problem they just try to pay it and keep it quiet it and cover it up now this is and no ask, one complains about it well i'm gonna ask this question and this is blanket i'm blanketing everybody and this is not just the baltimore that's where i'm for the, this it's, is it's, across all right then. the country this is how we, as cities, generally do our business. Okay. This is our definition. This is where we have placed the definition of policing. This is how powerful the union polices are in regards to moving forward and protecting their own. At no cost can you really allow people to believe that policing doesn't work. Because if you do that, then there are means people will analyze it and there could be massive changes to the system more than anything in this world people are afraid of change not because it's wrong or right it's because it's different people are afraid of change so people rather go broke and saying hey this is not that bad because they are scared that it might get worse instead of understanding as those businesses that are really forward thinking do it's like there has to be a way that we can do this better and we can put our best minds together and we'll get it done. And society moves forward. That's not what we do in the city. Right. Sorry to break the bad news to you. And let me say this on air, on the record. 
don't get it twisted. Any hater out there who hears rather than listens to what we're saying, we are not advocating violence toward any police officers, gunning down police officers, or none of that nonsense. We're not saying any of that whatsoever. So, though, I don't want to hear it on, see it on Twitter. Well, you said the hell I did. We have a problem here. We need to address it. Don't sleep under the rug. Don't spend money. Don't throw money at the problem and think it's going to go away. Because clearly, it ain't going away. I'm ready to move on. Doc, you're going to get a kick out of this. The Big 12 Conference has outlined the initial concepts it submitted for the autonomy session at the 2016 NCAA convention. Again, this year, concepts center on student-athlete welfare matters and include time demands, health and safety, representation, and financial issues. The Big 12 concepts are as follows. Ready, Wildcat? Ready, Doc? Yeah, man. Yeah. To ensure that medical personnel have independent authority to make medical decisions in the best interest of student-athletes. To permit an additional volunteer diving coach for institutions that sponsor only men's or women's swimming and diving. To permit a baseball prospective student-athlete who was drafted by a pro baseball team prior to enrolling at a collegiate institution to have representative during the contract negotiation process. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. So basically what you're saying is, and I'm just dealing with with what I know and what I understand uh, in reference to Major League Baseball. You're saying that a a friend of the, uh, of the family or whatever that understands contracts can be uh, that's associated either with the member school. You're reading too much into it. It didn't. I just say understand contracts. I said representative. <clears throat> They'll have, they'll have to define that. That's what the media is. Okay. Define. All right. All right. Then well, maybe I did step out a little bit too far then. Because now you just. Remember, they said that they're going to put this on the table. So because this I, cause that puts a broad stroke to it instead of being. And that's why they purposely put it out as broad. They'll narrow it down like they So, yeah. Do. Let me, let me go to the, the last three. Oh, okay. All right. To permit institutions to pay for or rebate pre enrollment fees for prospective student athletes after they are admitted to establish a health and wellness committee that focuses on student-athlete health and wellness issues, and lastly, to permit institutions to provide meals, lodging, and entertainment for up to four family members accompanying a prospective student-athlete on an official visit. Here's a quote from Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. This is just another step in the process of improving college athletics. We must continue to work hard to give our student-athletes the best possible experience, end quote. It's late. So they went, so they went it's from late. two to four. It's late. Because it had been at two, right? It's late. What? Isn't it at two right now for, for family members? I think so. It's late, but it's good. It's positive. But it's not enough. It is not enough. It's never going to be enough because of what transpires. Well, there's one way that it could be enough. Okay. Is if you allow them to go negotiate. 
and two, you put two representatives at the table and they negotiate. I'm fine with that. You get what you can negotiate, and I'll say live with it. I might not like it. But at least it was on the table. Then at least it was on the table. You had professional people that allow you to negotiate. And, and let me say this from other release. Let me say they negotiated a bad deal. Right. They negotiated a bad deal. But that I'm happens. With that. Yep. that happens. That's, that's life. That's for them. But right now, they can't negotiate. You just give them what, and they're supposed to be thankful. And that's what the public and, it, and it's still not balanced out the way it's from and different this, readings. This and is the Power Five now. They're going to present this. So these concepts will now undergo a period of preliminary review and refinement during which time amendments may be proposed and any or all of the five conferences may join together to support a concept through co-sponsorship. Proposals will take their final form by November 15th at which point they will be published and made available for comment by all of the Division One membership. The proposals will then be voted on during the autonomy session at the NCA convention on January 15th, 2016. Amazing. Now, this from a legal standpoint, going back to the business side of this, this going to be interesting to me how long it's going to take before you have uh, the lawyers get out there and try to challenge this. I cannot see how this does not lead to the formal unionization of these power fives or it may be reduced to a power four of these conferences. I, I just don't see how it continues to move. Essentially, that's what autonomy is. It separates them from the rest of the class, not only from a legal standpoint, but from a marketing, branding, and fan base. You continue to hear more than ever that fans do not like these money games. And that's on both sides. That's fans from the Power Five conferences and just this past weekend, you had a huge development that I thought was significant on social media platforms uh, that you had a large segment of those that were active on those media platforms, of HBC representatives that were saying that they did not see how this helped HBCUs in regards to the brand image and they, they just didn't like money games that they were, and they were talking very loud and audacious in and, and their discourse about this. I think this is coming to the head, so it's going to be interesting to me to see how long that this will last before you finally see this separation. And I think if when, when you finally see this separation, that's when they will go to a CBA type of format. Wildcat? Um... I'm trying to gather it all in and just and grasp it without going out into a deep space and just screaming and, and, and nobody hearing me. But <laughs> <coughs> excuse me. They obviously but, but are Dr. listening and aren't listening. And that is my issue. It's one thing to, you know, despite all this and just looking out for yourselves, and all this, basically what what they're doing right now, just Power Five and then everybody else, because even the group of five uh, are not on the same accord as can't be, <laughs> can't be. There's no until you find a framework where you unionize in one framework, which allows you to create an organization that has one head with other people, other organizations that represent singular organizations. Can you create a platform that allows the organization to move together? As long as they try to live in this quasi-format, 
it will not be good for the game. In fact, I'd say it's the worst thing for the game. And that's why I said it's going to have to come to a head. That these forces that they're dealing with are total opposite of everything that you would teach uh, a young marketing person, particularly somebody in sports marketing, if you would. It's the total opposite of what you would teach them to be successful. In fact, if you look at the most celebrated organization, the NFL, and then the next one, when you look at the Premier League in Europe, the framework of how they operate is total opposite of what you see at the collegiate level. And it's one reason why they're that popular. And you see Major League Baseball, you see the NBA moving towards that direction because you get to this point where when you watch games, is what is really selling the NFL is the fact that the, you had that term any given Sunday. And in most cases, that uh, you might have some teams that tend to do more, better than other teams more often, but generally speaking, you know at the beginning of the year, you can get excited for your team because you just never know that they can make that run. You don't see that at the collegiate ranks. It's the same teams most of the time. Wildcat, will the right styles beat Texas Saturday? They can. Got down what I ask you. I, I'm saying, I'm being honest. Will they beat I'm Texas? being honest. It, it won't even they be close. They can. It won't be close. They can. It won't be close. Texas still has a quarterback issue. They've got a lot of issue, apparently. And, and that is the crux of their problem. They can't stop anymore. It won't Not be. anyone telling. I understand. It won't be and, close. And Rice has depth. Doc is disagreeing with you, Wildcat. Yeah. It won't be close. Yeah. I hope. You're going to have a team that is uh, – very upset of what took place in Notre Dame. You have the wheels turning, voices uh, out there very loud, in a lot of ways rightfully so. So you're going to see a very energetic team. They're going to be played at home, a very focused football team. Rice will not stand the chance. Worst time that Rice could come in there and play this game. I don't know. If I'm going in, if I'm a road team and I'm going in, Doc, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, that's because you have a framework that you're looking at is, to some degree, you're looking at the positive attributes of Rice. And in a lot of ways, but you would it, like but, to see Rice win this game. Uh, I mean, it, it's been done. Thing, but I'm saying it, it's been done in my lifetime. And is, I, I, yeah, I, 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 like, like you said, in your the lifetime. The spread is 14 and a half. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Which way? I'm asking you. You're looking at me with this look now because I hadn't looked at no spreads. I hadn't looked at no spreads at all. Oh, so, so, you, we so you know you're not serious. You're entertaining the thought that Rice could be favored over yeah. Longhorn by 14 and a half points? In Austin? Come on. Are you entertaining that thought? Seriously. Yeah. At all? You're going to lose all credibility. Why, why, why should I lose credibility, Doc? Nobody's going to believe it. Nobody's going to believe it? Except for Rice fans in the team. How about if should Rice fans would believe they'd be 14 and a half point favorite over the Longhorns in Austin? Right. You don't think so? No. Hell I agree no. with you. Yeah. No. Not at all. All come right. On, come, back, just... come back to Earth. Come back. With hey, me. I am I on I know Earth. our first segment was strong <laughs> and, and put a lot of faith in our, in, in our abilities. <laughs> Shook <laughs> you a little bit there. It turns to move forward, but come on back. Oh, no. I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But, uh, no, but on the serious side, though, yeah, anything can happen. Right, but I'm not looking at this game in terms of anything. Give happen. me a score, I'm Doc. What is the likelihood to happen? I'm just saying Give me 31 score. to 17. So that, Okay, so with the points, so the long ones on cover. Uh, I'll take it back. 31-10. Wildcat? Long ones ain't going to cover. 
Wildcat, give me a score. And if, if going on what I saw on both teams this week, one on replay and the other one uh, in the stands, um, but, I, I go with 35-28. But Wildcat, Rice was playing Wagner. <laughs> hey, I'm going on what I saw. And I'm going to play Notre Dame. And you know what? That's, That's a different still, level of competition. And you tell me that it's, it's, you looking at the level of competition. I'm looking at what I saw from Does the sideline. Does Wagner even give it the full allotment of scholarships at the FCS level? Yeah. No, they don't. Wagner does not give the group. They, get, they, they don't give 63 scholarships. They got 63. They have, they have, they have, they have, they have, they have the ability to give. Yeah, they have 80 plus players. I'm talking about on scholarship. Full scholarship. They don't have, they're not giving right, I didn't go in and check it out of that. No. Well, I'm just letting you know that you are looking at that's a, that's a, a team data doctor right on, there, man. on a yes. very different level. You weren't yes. looking at the FBSD. Now, you act like you're telling me that none of these FCS schools that come in here. No, 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 he said Wagner. Wagner, you, you, you pointed out. He didn't say out. South Dakota when State. When is the last time Wagner won the conference? I don't know, and I didn't ask. All right, he didn't say South Dakota State. He said Wagner. Right. South Dakota State. Right. That's a different animal. Exactly. And we're not talking, we're about, talking about South Dakota State. Nor are we talking about Kansas. Oh, that's even worse. Okay. That's that's even worse. That's even worse. So I mean, I I don't I don't want to get you in trouble with the people over there. Right, that's at least my word. That's you know, that's least my words right now. As they you, will see when you as you seem to be. They they they'll see me. They'll see sipping me on the rice owls Kool Aid. And they're gonna listen and they're gonna be like, great job with it. Thinking about the fact that rice <laughs> could even be favorite over Longhorns. I, I, mean, I tell real. you, I tell you what. That's like me sitting up here and telling you that Texas Southern. Can go in there and, and be favored over beat you. Southern, right there. You know. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, <laughs> no. I, 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 Doc, you, you yeah. just missed it up right there. Southern, yeah. For homecoming, going down to Baton Rouge. Yeah. Who did they? Who they? You mad saw last night? what happened Saturday, right? Who they yeah, mad yeah. last night? You saw last night what Southern did to Valley, right? Yeah. What was the score? I, what was the final score? Because I fell asleep. Fifty. The thirteen. If people were excited talking about. He scored thirteen. If you take out the first thirty-three points that Southern scored, Valley actually played pretty good. <laughs> that's, that's what they said on television. That's what they said on television. Yeah, that's, that's a, a talk of really a loser right there. That's a talk of a loser right there. Oh man, Gremlin's better this year. Gremlin is better this year, but we'll find out this Saturday. Let's get into some HBC talk since okay. you're asking some of these. Questions. Only reason I missed that because no, I think it's great time. It's great timing. Yeah, Bethune Cookman. Uh, traveling for, out of the MEAC. This is the second MEAC SWAC game. Obviously, the first weekend, you had the MEAC SWAC Challenge, which is the official matchup, which featured South Carolina State, one of the teams that are picked at the top of the MEAC versus Arkansas Pine Bluff that is picked at the bottom of the SWAC Western Division. And it ended up going in that direction. Six turnovers, five turnovers in that game for Pine Bluff. I mean, for South Carolina State, the game still wasn't close. In fact, the Bulldogs of South Carolina State turned the ball over inside their 23 times, and of that, Pine Bluff could only put up seven points. So they dominated that contrast. Hargrove, FCS player out of the MEAC, keep your eyes on him. He has you, legitimate NFL you pro spot. You, you mentioned him in the other week. At yeah, the, uh, defensive player of the year. Yeah. He only played for a half. Oh. Had seven tackles, two sacks, and the guy. That's a real beast. Offensive lineman for Pine Bluff was pounding air. He was so frustrated. And 
he literally do what he want. He look like he's playing with uh, boys out there. Man, man amongst boys, really toss him around. They took him out and said, look, we don't need you to hurt yourself or anything like that. But he was masterful in that game in terms of he, he really took it down. Two tackles for loss, um, just slicing through the line, making plays in the backfield. Masterful on television. Really beautiful. But uh, dominated the game. Then you ha- so that's the one that everybody wants to really look at. South Carolina State, like all, it seemed the uh, FBS versus FCS programs against HBCUs, where most teams put up at least fifty points. You had some sixty-nine point games in there, and a couple of seventy points, which included Grambling losing to California, seventy-three to seven. Uh, well, they get a chance to play competition, quote unquote, on a level. Another HBCU program. That's one to keep your eyes on. Obviously, just last night, yeah, Southern uh, getting in the conference action, taking it to Valley. That was on the road for Southern. So they really uh, got it done there. It looks like they're fighting to get back to the championship game. So it'll be intriguing this weekend to continue watch this. The other big game out there, uh, as you see, Alcorn State Braves, where many people picked the uh, repeat in the SWAC, both on the Eastern Division and overall in the SWAC championship game. Travels to Montgomery to Alabama State. The storyline of that game is who is going to play quarterback. Duhart was on crutches uh, at the end of the during the fourth quarter and into the game at the John Merritt Classic, named after the famous coach of Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. As Tennessee State scored 21 points in the fourth corner, started by a twisted ankle by Duhart that had at that time put up 200 plus yards. Uh, two touchdowns, including the 80-yard touchdown, was masterly controlling that game, 14-3. Uh, cuts off off the last tackle, twists his ankle, lets go of the ball, instantly recovered by Tennessee State. They move quickly and strike, going 14-10. Backup quarterback gets in, uh, gets hit. As he looks like he's making a dash for a first down to continue to drive around the 50-yard line. Fumble. Tennessee takes the ball. Goes up for the first time in the game, 17-14. Momentum is totally lost in the fourth quarter for Alabama State. And uh, essentially give up another touchdown to seal the deal for the Tigers, Blue Tigers of Tennessee State. Another one that's interesting for Tennessee State, we get to see what the business of Jackson State this week after they get beat up by 70 points when they travel to Middle Tennessee State to play an FBS program last weekend as well. Well, they're in the Southern Heritage Classic facing off against Tennessee State and Jackson State. That is a long-standing rivalry. Tennessee State has won eight-plus games, if you would, in that contest. So Jackson State is looking to get back on the winning way. And if Jackson State can't get this game, it could get quite, quite ugly in Jackson, Mississippi, as they look forward to Southern after that and Another game in terms of Pablo and Grambling, so they have a tough road to hold. So those are some intriguing games this weekend that you would like to keep your eyes on in terms of the mix of HBCU sports, at least at the major division. You have some SIEC, CIAA games that you want to keep your eyes on in SIEC country. Fort Valley, I mean Albany State, Albany State taking on Tuskegee. Tuskegee got a big win over Clark Atlanta last weekend, so that's one where those two teams have won the uh, – SIEC championships six out of the last eight years, if you would. So they have dominated um, the uh, conference championship in football. So in a lot of ways, that game kind of gives you indication of who's probably going to lift a trophy at the end of the year. So that's another one to keep your eyes on. Any, Thoughts uh, on uh, any the beatdown Prairie View put on THU over the weekend in the Labor Day Classic? You, you know what? There was a lot of a lot of yak yak going on, a lot of clipping, a lot of chipping going on on Wednesday. 
on Monday and on Wednesday last week um, at the luncheon and at the uh, press conference. Saturday night. That's why you play games, Doc. That's why you play games. No question about it. Because uh, I'll be honest with you. I was, that third, that, that's I was the, surprised. The, the first surprised. four minutes of the Not third necess- quarter. Yeah, go ahead. The, the first four minutes of the third quarter opened up everybody's eyes. And it, and the dam burst. And from then on, it was like a lost cause as far as not understanding what was happening in front of them on the TSU side and preview in charge. Yeah, it was a couple of things. I think one of the um, things that we should focus on that game that you talk about is the fact that Texas Southern, uh, during the last couple of weeks, Swag Media Day got out that they were, that Coach Asbury said that Prairie View was on the clock. Uh, Prairie View took that literally. It, they pushed up on that a little more. Prairie View was late to the media day. Part of that was because Willie Simmons didn't realize that he could change his time to go on the conference call, which caused them to be late. Then Dr. Charles McCullen kind of got into action and threw some jabs. At, uh, you can see it all Simmons. at AKSVDCSR. It's part one and part two. You really need to watch this if you want to be entertained because uh, it was really big-time jazz when you're talking about Oh, college. yeah. This is old-school uh, college football with coaches talking, particularly if you're fans of the HBCU sports. You are used to this with coaches talking about they're going to get off the bus, gunslinger, passing the ball, and really being entertainers uh, and, and off the field and driving fans to the game. Well, you kind of had this go back to it, and then it seemed like it may have turned just a tad bit uh, personal when you went to the luncheon on Wednesday, oh. which really got things going uh, <laughs> when President Wright from Prairie View sent a letter by his athletic doctor, director, Ashley Robinson, and he kind of picked some little fun oh. as if uh, Texas Southern it took a lot of these coaches, if you would, whether they're ex-coaches or current employees from Texas Southern. Well, Charles took a little umbrage of that and got up there, and you should go. Oh, yes. To your. To the College Sports Report, A.K.S.V.D.C.S.R. And watch that, because he got up there. But one of the things that he talked about, too, that I kind of, maybe I can touch you to go see this, uh, is the fact he got up there and said, hey, I didn't leave. Uh, He said, I I left Prairie View because I was tired of living on welfare. And I thought that was, that was a light. That was the match that kind of like just struck and everybody just like, okay, it's on now. From that point on, hey, it, was, it was, it, from that point on, it was like, pre- he said, y'all, we're going to tell y'all that the game was early so y'all can be on them time. In fact, since y'all can't tell time, he going to get to his bag, takes out of his bag and has this beautiful TSU clock. Southern logo clock. Yeah. Well, you have pictures after the game on <laughs> Facebook with Prairie View players having this big clock. And it says eight o'clock, and they're pointing to it as if they know what time it is. So it got really uh, interesting. You could tell Willie Simmons really utilized yep. that, and you could tell quickly that Prairie View was in that game. They came to hit. They were hitting offensively. Yeah, uh, hitting players. They, they were moving folks. It, it was Back easy to bats to wide receivers, defensive players. The offense for Prairie View was hitting the defense. It was easy to see why they averaged the yardage that they did in the game because of the movement of offensive line just, just stepping into the defensive backfield of Texas Southern. And it, the wide it, receivers blocking down the field, blocking, yeah. coming back, getting big blocks for long yardages on first down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, really, um, you, even, you had coaches on the sideline talking about, are you okay because they could tell that 
blindside hit. I'm talking about some of the best players at Texas Southern uh, in terms of the linebackers they're getting done. And so you could really tell that Prairie was in that game. So I must admit, I didn't see that coming. Not at all. I thought Prairie could win the game. I had picked Texas Southern going into the game. Uh-huh. But the way that Prairie won that game, yeah. outside of maybe the second quarter where there was a standstill in terms of uh, neither team really scoring, Outside of that, Prairie View dominated the rest of the game. It was even in terms of time of possession, but just the and a lot of that was late for Texas Southern, kind of taking that play. Yeah, after the game was out of reach, to, you know, gain some yardage. But after the first quarter, Texas Southern had fifty some yards in total offense. They were totally uh, dominated, and if it wasn't for a turnover, I think uh, in the uh, first quarter in regards to Prairie View driving on their second uh, possession, mm-hmm. <clears throat> that in a fake punt and in a lot of ways i'm not sure if it was actually a fake punt when you look at it it looks like the almost like a broken player yeah that he just looked and he seen that everybody ran away from him he said i can make this and he went for it on his own great call because he got the first down ended up leading to the field goal for texas southern the only points that they had at the half so it was still kind of close but you could really see how they dominated pulled away third quarter took them apart and so that's an intriguing one you see there. and you can hear comments from both coaches about and during the uh, at the uh, post game of that of that game at the same uh, the college sports report and AKSV. What is the, the college sports report? The college sports report that is my blog. Your what? That is my blog, the college sports reporter's blog, and on YouTube it's AKSV the CSR, which stands for. Uh, the acronyms are my niece, my nephew, two nieces, a nephew, and two nephews. I don't want to pronounce their names. I'm going to let it go. I thought it was something else, but okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Good deal. And, and PB won that game 38-11 over TSU. And, and it looked like a different squad starting to clear, start see. And clearly TSU taking advantage of an inferior opponent this evening. Yes, they are, for whatever reason. They play Bacone. Bacone, and they're winning 34 nothing. Oh. And then hey, Prairie View hey. takes on Texas State, so they go up to the FBS level. And we get smacked around. Oh, uh, by the way, you just mentioned something. Uh, two games yeah. tomorrow to look. I'm not going to be like Willie and say H. They got a shot. got a shot. got a shot down. No. Uh, Richmond plays Hampton tomorrow, 12 o'clock. Uh, That's a big one. Uh, for that, the MEAC because they're looking at trying to get an at-large bid because oh, okay. the Celebration Bowl, the automatic champion of the conference will go to Atlanta December 19th okay. to play against the champion of the SWAT, which was a big deal with the Celebration Bowl. In fact, uh, you can go to SoundCloud, Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab, and listen to our – podcast of the show that comes on every Tuesday now from 6 to 7, 6 to 7 Central Standard Time, every Tuesday uh, talking about HBCU sports and we actually had the executive director of the Celebration Bowl on, John, and so if you want to listen to some of his comments uh, out there in regards to that, it's a good uh, chance for you to do that, it's out there, many people were excited about the podcast Great deal, great deal, And, uh, and who are you again sir? Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, Dr. Cavill, a.k.a. the sports professor, many people say the data doctor. 
Let me give you a poll. We have started the polls. I'll give you the top five. You can go out to and this is uh, your uh, HBCU Sports okay. Mid-Major and Major Division. We'll start with the Mid-Major Division. Um, number five, Livingston Blue Bears. They're 1-0 and after a big win the first weekend. Played Benedict, really beat up Benedict. That was a CIAA SIEC matchup. At number four, you have Lincoln, Missouri Tigers. Um, they beat up on Langston. Langston was picked top three. Really surprised about that game. Um, won a close matchup as they held on to beat Langston. Langston still is in uh, the top ten part of the poll, but they do drop down from the three spot. And number three, yeah, Boot State Bulldogs won a big non-conference game. Merriweather there. And number two, you have Virginia Union. Four first-place votes. They got a big win non-conference. Slade and Tuskegee as they beat Clark Atlanta. The Golden Tigers have seven first-place votes getting it done. Top five for the major division. A lot of changes in the top five, or at least two teams, uh, moved around and changed from what was going on last week. And in fact, you had number five, Hampton Pirates. They beat up Kentucky State. HBCU coming out of the SIAC. They were one of the few HBCUs that actually played a team that was at a lower division versus going up and playing the team. The other two were <clears throat> North Carolina Central. As they scored 60-plus points, 70 points, I think it was, beating up on St. Augustine. They're 1-0. and They played Duke Saturday. Jumping up, and they played Duke, so they might get a little. Sold-out stadium, too. 34,000 folks. I saw that on Twitter this morning, this afternoon. Amazing. Good I'm going to say Duke playing Central. Number three is All-Point State Braves. They dropped for number one early in the season. Still have two first-place votes. They got beat up by Georgia Tech that Thursday night opening. Um, it'll be interesting to see, again, how they bounce back and play Alabama State. Everyone wants to see how much was going on because John Gibbs didn't look very good in that contest. And number two, South Carolina State Bulldogs, three first place uh, votes, 1-0. and oh, As we said, they beat up on Arkansas Pine Bluff in the celebration, I mean in the MEAC SWAC Challenge. And number one, you have North Carolina A&T, the Aggies. Five first-place votes. They also played a Division II program out of the CIAA, so they did what you were supposed to do. They demolished them. So those are your top five programs, Hampton Pirates, North Carolina Central, Alcorn State Braves, top two programs, South Carolina State Bulldogs, and North Carolina A&T. As you see, the MEAC is loaded with four of the top five teams in this week's poll. A lot of that has to do with SWAC has more teams playing up than the MEAC did, as you saw, MEAC had many of their teams playing Division Two. So, yeah, where are these polls available? You can get the polls at hbcusports.com. They'll be coming to THG, that's agency, really soon over the next two weeks, working on being able to put those directly up. But right now, you can get it at hbcusports.com. Two games, Doc, I was asked to. Or you can get it directly emailed to you at kcaville at thg-agency.com. I was told to ask you about Florida A&M at Samford, Samford and Howard at, uh, who is this? Uh, at Boston College. Howard will get beat up. This will be the second week that yeah, they're no, taking it. No, 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 the only reason I'm yeah. asking is no, people it's, may want to know. Yeah, they want to know, but, but are they, are they a d- different Howard or are they a, a, the same Howard? Or? We don't know yet. Okay. The biggest concern you have with Howard is they're still trying to uh, replace their all-everything quarterback. Okay. That, 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 I think that was the question. Playing up in the CFL to give you some caliber of how talented he was uh, playing for MEAC. Right now they're trying to find a quarterback um, in regards to that. Um, one of the quarterbacks, Johnson, is actually right out of uh, 
Texas here in this greater Houston area out of Pearland. So he's fighting for some time. So I'm going to keep my eyes to see if he gets a chance to play some in some games and see what he's able to do. During the media day, I did talk to his offensive lineman, and they thought that uh, given some time that he's going to be really good. They like the way he has control of the offense. So be interesting to see how just how quick he can crack that lineup in terms of getting it done. But I see Howard getting beat up. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get too embarrassing for him. Uh, they will play hard, and they will look to try uh, to look at their offense. The other game I think is more intriguing to kind of see where is FAMU. I really like Woods as the coach there and what he brings to the table. In a lot of ways, he looks like a professor, and maybe that's some of the reason why I kind of like that, him. That could be scary. Like he, because like for some, that could be good. Because that's too many numbers and all. Remember the thing is, it's, 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 yeah, like, coming in his brain and all. That. You right. know how y'all are, Doc. You know how y'all are. Exactly. Last week, you throw it out of the window. They played Miami. So they got dusted there. Yeah. Um, this week, they come back and play FCS program. They're on the road. They're traveling. Uh, he should start the same quarterback there, see what's going on there. Sanford is a team that's in the middle of the pack in the league. So this is a very winnable game. So I'm intriguing to kind of see. Uh, where this goes out. Again, this is another game, and MEAC has a couple of them on the table this week where they step out of in non-conference play and they play FCS programs. So if they're able to get a couple of these wins, it, able, it brings up the overall RPI of the conference and puts them in a better position to get an at-large bid for the team that comes in second, maybe third in the conference. So this is a weekend that you want to keep your eye on if you are an HBC fan, particularly as a MEAC, and trying to Put yourself in a position to get that at-large bid. Okay, now I'm going to talk about my Houston Cougars and their their opening of the uh, Coach Tom Herman era with their 52-24 win over Tennessee Tech in front of an <coughs> announced crowd. Of, let me say that again: in front of an announced crowd. Announced one more time: announced crowd of 30,000. Really? 400. 79, you can go to Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram. All you need to do is see the footage clip of two minutes prior to kickoff. And that place was not half full. So those tickets those tickets were sold. So you're saying great, that? But the butts were not in the seats and the bleachers at kickoff. So they missed a good game, missed the Greg Ward show. They missed the defense getting lit up with some blown coverages okay, okay, by, uh, okay. by just egregious blown coverages, giving up the most. Yeah, Doc, it was bad. The most bad. Uh, receiving yards to an, a wide receiver in school history, wow. 264 yards by a Tennessee Tech receiver, Brock McCoyne. But, uh, Coach Herman had a uh, lot to say at post And he should. He uh, And you can go to uh, my blog at uh, – the College Sports Report, and on YouTube, DCSR, AKSV, DCSR. But Greg Ward Jr. was 21 of 28 for 275 yards, one touchdown. He ran for 107 yards and two touchdowns. Quarterback turned wide receiver Kyle Postma scored a touchdown, catch and run, uh, 29 yards down the sideline. Got He inched into the end zone. He's 6'2", 200 pounds, and He's going to make a difference, I think. Well, him what, the well, out of necessity, but I think it's going to be a good move. What, what, what Coach uh, Tamron mentioned, because that question was asked, if I remember correctly, he basically said, you know, when guys uh, are former quarterbacks and, 
and transition over to a, a position like wide receiver, they pretty much it's a grasp of the offense that they can that they can make a transition to quickly. And in a game, their sight lines are different, but they also see a lot a lot better too because there's not a lot of traffic in front of them other than that that defender. Yeah, Kyle knows the offense. That was clear, and he's got good hands. Um, the defense, Russian defense, uh, was okay. I mean, only gave up 29 yards, but when Tennessee Tech can beat you in, in the air like they did, well, why well, run the ball a lot? But the the other thing too, um, quarterback, not so much quarterback position. I'm sorry, the running back position was interesting. Ken Farrow didn't play well. And he well. Coach said, Coach also mentioned about that, uh, talked about that situation in the uh, post game, and they got to find out. They, that's, that, that's a question right now. They, they needed to find, they need to figure out before tomorrow. And you know, but the thing is, there's competition there. And if Kenneth Farrell doesn't play well, you'll sit. <laughs> I mean, and one that's thing about what, this crew that I know for a fact, folks. Let me tell you, they ain't gonna wait on you. Yeah, you got to produce. That's what Coach Herman is getting the program to. If you don't get the job done, I got somebody who will. And I was told also by the person that asked me about the FAMU situation that they got to the game earlier. They they saw something they hadn't seen at at uh, U of H. Players getting off the bus in shirts and ties and sports coats. That was different for them. They hadn't seen a culture the like cult- that. And the it, culture has changed. Tailgating was fun. It was humid. Good. It was humid, humid, humid. Hey. When that take, when that wasn't much of a breeze. Now we had fans, hand fans that gave out to us and everything. When, hand fan in one hand and, and my beverage in the other, so I was okay. Your beverage, my you're beverage. Tell, you're not gonna tell us what that beverage was. Tailgate beverage. They can imagine. You, you saw me on Facebook. You know what I had. You <laughs> <laughs> saw. You saw what I was drinking. And he was standing up, folks. He was standing up, wasn't sitting down or laying down on the ground. No, no. All right. I can handle my own. Okay. But we touched on it real quick about Saturday. <laughs> Saturday, September 12th, is a big day for the Cougars, big day for the American mm-hmm. Athletic Conference right. they, to put up or, or shut, shut up. up. Yeah. The Cougars play at Louisville, uh, 11 o'clock, Houston time. And they got they, that game has to be very competitive. Yes, I agree. I'm not sure. We'll see. If they are very competitive, that's a good sign. That means progress is being done. Yes, that would be a good sign. The game will be on Fox Sports. Southwest, so Fox Sports Regional Network uh, here in town, and so. But overall, the conference as a whole, coming off a week where I think just about everybody won except SMU getting thumped by Baylor, fifty-six twenty-one. The huge conference win that their conference is hanging their their hat on was the thumping Temple did over Penn State. I tell you, I think now you sacks. know. Who's on the greatest hot seat? Are you saying him or 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 what are you saying? Or Charlie Strong? Yeah. He uh, well, they're both second second year folks, aren't they? So yeah, yeah. I'd say Charlie Strong still. Because uh, we won last year. Doc, I'm gonna ask no, you that's because we in Texas. <laughs> well, that, that is true. Doc, let me let me ask we you a question. We in Pennsylvania, you'd probably be saying the opposite. <laughs> let me ask you this question, because it's it's. We have we've had five different conversations, and me and my compadres and all uh, this whole week about about Texas. Uh, not so much, you know, just the game itself, but is it recruiting part of it? Uh, 
is the, the, the quarterback is is, is Which pretty is recruiting. much recruiting. That's part of recruiting. But this looms large. He's losing players either for the right reason or the wrong reason. It's, well, he's losing players that are not getting on board. But some of the players are good players. That's not necessarily where he's no, losing. I'm, I'm going to tell you, he's losing because he, in the in this game, quarterback is everything. We see it at the professional right, level okay, all the way down. Okay. If you have a quarterback, a quarterback can hide a lot of deficiency from the rest of the team. And if you have a quarterback that is less than average, which is what we saw with Texas Southern and Prairie View in that game, you had a quarterback that couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Everything he threw was high. And after that point, the game was basically over. Didn't matter what else they did. Same thing with Texas. Any of these teams you look at, if you don't have a quarterback, you're in trouble. Now, part of that is recruiting. The other part of that is I don't think Texas ever wanted to believe, and that's why those that were in positions – the change made the change. Matt Brown really left that team depleted of talent. Sure did. He was able to cover it up and win some games, and he just fell into that position. So I think people didn't realize it was bad as it looked, at least for his last year, versus what he did the previous year. But if you think about this last five years, is depleted in talent. I think Coach can get it, Coach Strong can get it done. The question is, is, does he have that type of time? That's what, yeah. And now, this, this is not just because it's Texas. This is just where we are well, today yeah. with programs in any sport at just about and big any time level athletics. And athletics and big time athletics for me is every level. It's all big. Everybody thinks they're big. You see that with the egregious stuff that is happening at the high school level with coaches getting so into the game that they're telling young men to do things they shouldn't do on the field. And then. As we talked about the first part of the podcast, unfortunately for me, now we even lost our mind in terms of what we do with students in school. Now we want to criminalize everybody, which doesn't make sense to me of how you're going to make somebody better because we obviously found out you sent them to jail and prison that it doesn't help them. First of all, they can't get a job. So what they're supposed to do for the rest of their life now. To get back to the overall point, as I'm saying, is – I'm not sure if he can't at least get to 500 this year that um, he will be given the time to get this ship right, if you would. That's the problem. And the Real same quick. thing you're going to find at Penn State. And that's why I said it's the business. It doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, all those kind of things. It doesn't help if you're not um, what people would like to see as a coach. That could give you a little more uh, time, but in this case uh, – that's the big question you have here. Can he get the time if he can't get the 500 this year? I still think he's going to get the least three years because the AD brought him in, unless he just literally falls apart this year, and I can't see that. But it just makes all the weight on next year that much more important, and I'm not sure that's his second class. Still, if you don't get a quarterback, you get a quarterback, it's still going to be freshman. How much can he do? Just how can right. he do a freshman? The last thing I will close on is the fact that <coughs> – it's not that he can't recruit because he had um, the quarterback that left Notre Dame. Right. He had him high, and he wanted to go there, end up going to Florida State. But obviously Notre Dame was smart enough, which is one of the parts that I hate about college, is guess what they, they did? This, this was the one, that was the one. Guess this, what Notre Dame did? Yeah, hey. The, 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 no, say what they did. Notre Dame said, no, no you cannot no, go no, to no, Texas. Texas. They on our schedule next year. That's not happening. Right. So – we have to make sure that we look at the whole picture and we don't get lost with the other individuals that just get excited and want to hear themselves talk. And just because people are foaming at the mouth that we give them even more ammunition. 
truth of the matter is, if he's given time, he'll get it right. But I'm not sure if he's going to get time. If specifically, if he can't get to 500 this year. Uh, and, and I'm going to mention one thing that we get, keep moving forward. Um, Western Kentucky beat La Tech last night, 41-38 at La Tech. It was – if I'm – let me make sure it was at, at Lock Tech. That's a conference game. Yeah, it was a conference game. Yeah. Western Kentucky's playing some good football. And they weren't expected to be. No, they were in Bowling Green. Lock Tech went on the road and got rode up in the Kentucky Hills. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about Conference USA in just a second. All right, we'll then. Run down their schedule okay. as well. Uh, but we'll see if the American Athletic Conference oh, is the my American goodness. or. If they are the act after September twelfth, <laughs> USF at Florida State, U of H at Louisville, okay, Tulane at Georgia Tech, okay, East Carolina at Florida, okay, Memphis at Kansas. That should be a win. That's the first one you mentioned. That's guaranteed. <laughs> yes. I, literally, that's guaranteed. Yep. Tulsa at New Mexico and UCF at Stanford. That's two wins. It's- Stanford won't be happy. They lost to the lost the Rainbows to Northwestern. They couldn't so. score. They that now that game not surprised. David yeah, Shaw's that call play. That, I, that, I that think, bothered me. But, but. I think you getting like our fans. You can't put that much stock in one game. No, but because the problem you have is yes, one team may have looked really bad, but you don't know how much that is attributed to the other team being oh, now, better than now, what people think. They they were better. Stanford's issue was not being able to when they had a run play and guys not recognizing where they're supposed to be. Right, I agree. That, that How, bothered me. That, right, uh, I think that is a problem, but you also have the point that a lot of that is that they were playing the game in their physically in terms of their body at 9 o'clock in the morning. God. I know it's football. And I know I'm talking about the time change. The West Coast team coming <laughs> yeah. east. And that game was played at 11 o'clock. There's a lot of uh, Big Ten plays, their early games, right. that ESPN television time. So for Stanford, that was a 9 o'clock game. So, Wildcat, you're saying that the after based on these games on the schedule, that they'll, they'll still be the act? Yes. Because. Yeah, I don't that, see one. I see two, uh, uh, two, 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 yeah. Stanford, uh, yeah. No, not Stanford. See, not, not, Memphis uh, beat Kansas. The Ma- Memphis, oh, that's the one I got. And, and the, uh, you and the two lane in New Mexico. Tulsa and Mexico. T- Tulsa and, New, Me- and uh, New Mexico, yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. And that's where I saw so the two wins. I didn't see that. I, I don't see anybody. Because, once again, we got. I got to figure out. Because I'm not counting one. Army versus UConn. No. That's not. Oh, no. That's what they consider. No, no. One no. of the games they're hanging a hat on. No, uh-uh. I agree with you. Uh-uh. So you're saying my Cougars are going to lose at Louisville? Yes. I agree. <laughs> uh, sorry to say that, but hey. No, I'm, I'm not. That's reality. I'm not sorry to say it at yeah. all. That's reality. Yeah. You hate it as a fan. I love to be wrong, but, you know. Right. But as. Right now, they, right now, U of H is in the learning process. Exactly. Overall. This overall. year is a bridge to next, I don't know, next year. I expect them I, I, to get well, out of behind next year. I'm looking for them to get out of this squad, even after the first week. But with this coaching staff moving forward, man, I'm saying eight wins this year. You putting eight wins for so this year? Yeah. And so next year, you really looking for? Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Yes, Doc. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yes, sir. Yep. Yes, sir. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Folks, folks, just ain't gonna believe what they 
The people that just ain't. They just ain't, Doc. They just ain't going to believe it. Now. I know you. What do what, what you want, Doc? What do you want? Nah, I was going to see if I could renegotiate some of my state with, with Houston you got, Baptist and you could, We got time for next year. I'm telling you, next yeah, year. I, I, trust me now. I, I know what you're Ryan, Ryan, Ryan even knows I mentioned that. Because <laughs> he dropped me off at he, he dropped me he was willing to drop me off at home because we I'm gonna say this I love us to death but getting home at three o'clock in the morning just ain't my bag. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Well, I left. Yeah. Okay, that's I why I didn't see you in that post game. Uh, but I know I, I, I but when you got to do what you got to do, you got to do what you got to do. No, you true to the game. And that's why I'm just like sports report. You know, exactly but, why you are who you yeah, are and thank why you, we appreciate thank you, I, having Thank you. Thank well, you. Cat, I'm going to run I down. I have to stay there because I can get the information from you. I'm going to run down the uh, Karma USA schedule. Okay. You already touched on one game Thursday night. West Kentucky beat La Tech. Going on right now, Miami at Florida Atlantic. Saturday, we got Kansas State. I think they're just K-State. Yeah, that's what it is. At UTSA. Lost. I'm going to read this. I'm not sure, but. Presbyterian at Charlotte. Who is that? Presby- I mean, who, why do you Presbyterian. Find the, hold on, hold on. Before you get to the end of the Doc, where are these schools? Schools like that. I used to know where Presbyterian. It's in the uh, southeast. Utah at Texas state. Tech. Austin Ooh, that, that's a at Southern Miss. Middle Tennessee in a check game at Alabama. Really? Marshall at Ohio. Somebody taking that kind of chance? Norfolk State at Old Dominion. North Texas at SMU. That should be interesting. That's a bad. That's a pride game. Right there yeah. In oh yeah. Because you win that. Whoever wins that game there gets at least one top-notch recruit over the other. Florida International FIU at Indiana, and last on the docket on the Longhorn Network, Woodley's Rice Owls <laughs> at in Austin versus the Texas Longhorns. And, and, and who Woodley has said they, Rice they, and they Will, could. Rice they could. Will, they could. As I said, it's Clinton, South Carolina. Okay. 35-28 Longhorns over Rice, according to the Wildcat. 35-28, yeah. That's you said, right? Yeah. And Doc said 31-10. I'm not saying anything. I'd expect the Longhorns to. Roll them up? I won't say roll them up. I think they're going to beat the Owls, though. They'll beat the Owls. I think they'll end up winning going away. So. You know, stay close for a little while, and then all of a sudden the door. First quarter going to say a lot for both the teams. Yes. I'll true, be watching, though. Truly. I'll be watching truly. on the Longhorn Network and seeing yeah, following that, on that, Twitter. That first, that first quarter is going to say a lot about both of them. What are y'all mentally? I'm going to wrap it up with a couple of things. I'm going to give uh, kudos to the Houston Rockets oh. for the second consecutive year. Team with a pizza franchise. I'm not going to name because they're not giving us any money. But to honor the members of the Houston's police and fire departments today in remembrance of uh, 9-11. He had Natas Yunus, KJ McDaniels, Clint Capella, and members of the Rockets Power Dancers, along with the president of the pizza franchise, visiting the HFD uh, station, fire stations and police patrol stations today, feeding them with pizza and acknowledging them, thanking them for their service to our community. One last thing, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. Did any one of you all watch any of the game or the highlights of the A&M in uh, Arizona State? Nope. Yes, I watched. Okay. Were you surprised by how quickly the A&M defense has picked up on Chavis? Yes, absolutely. Because I'm going to tell you, I was shocked. I didn't think they were going to be able to pick it. 
that was a different. Was, I, I ain't seen that crowd there and all since that that win was, was yeah playing. wrecking was, crew back in those days when they were. And, I mean, literally, it's been that far back. That win was yeah. was, was a flan on the team. That, that's how well, I'm a player that was advocate. If they can control that and continue to play at that level, obviously, I do not take one game. Thank you. That's, as that's an where I'm indicator going. of what yeah. a team but, is like. But, Are you playing a solid team? On paper of what we believe Arizona State should. Well, they had a freshman quarterback the first time out, and Homer didn't. He didn't have a clue. He couldn't adjust, and and that that explained a lot. But only two hundred. I've seen them play bad teams and give up three or four hundred yards. Right. They only gave up a little over two hundred. That's what shocked me. Right. And had sacks and turnovers. You know, I mean, we're not saying that they didn't play very good that game. We're just looking at how much of that is going to be an indicator of measure moving forward. Right. For that game, without question, they played great defense. And if it's any indicator of what they're doing moving forward, they're going to be a really solid team in SEC this this year. That has 10 teams ranked in the top 25. That's a lot. So they'll beat up on each other, and then when only one of them is in the Final Four, they'll cry, well, so-and-so couldn't – Going to feed it in the uh, SEC, whatever. All I'm going to say is they they need to win the playoff game before I we'll talk about that. There you go. There you go. Got to win. Got to win. But they're relevant, though, right? As Very opposed, relevant. As, as opposed to – As a brand. As opposed to – As a brand. Uh, and brilliant. I'm not talking about the brand. Oh, the brand yeah. is butter, as they would say in but, the urban but vernacular. One, but one, one, Very of, good. one of our Power Five conferences is not relevant, right? Correct. Yeah. That's right true. here in our backyard. Yeah. And even though, despite the fact that I read off of their proposal of their autonomy, so you know who we're talking about. So <laughs> Because the question has come up relevant. every day this week. Somebody different has mentioned why is it that the two private schools here in this state are in charge and neither Oklahoma or Texas is running things. It's just interesting. Well, until Baylor plays someone non-conference, they ain't running jack. Well, so. right now, they just talking about right now. Well, that's fine. I am it's, too. It's TCU and Baylor, and they want the folks who want to know why the private schools are in charge of this conference right now. I'm not sure if you can really say the private schools are in charge. I mean, they have to do it more than one or two years before what? I get excited. But right now, I understand what you're saying. I'm just, I don't see one or two years to say you're in charge, right? They're they, they, in charge right now, right now. Just, just, just as of today. I, I, I got you. I understand, Doc. As, as Baylor prepares to play Lamar. Yeah. I understand, Doc. Anyhow, uh, yeah. When um, they play some people and get some big wins, then I'll say they're right. At I least TCU played somebody from the I've Big already 10. told you I don't believe the conference is very relevant. So, I even if you're at the top of the conference, it's not I saying a lot. All right. All right. Let's go. We can move on. Right, I'm going to wrap it up. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your insight and your time. Uh, we're getting closer and closer to uh, basketball season. Yep. Keep College me abreast. And me. NBA. Keep me abreast, young man. Keep me abreast. Looking forward to media days. to put out some – oh, one more thing. I want, I want to acknowledge this. Uh, Coach Ronald Huey, Houston Cougars women's basketball, is having his community day on October 4th, Sunday, October 4th. It's on my women's hoops blog at HoustonRonBarView.com. And that's uh, also to kick it off – the first practice as well. So from 2 to 4, you can watch uh, the team's first full practice. Quote from Coach Huey, um, our team is excited to begin the 2015-2016 season and thrilled that Cougar fans can start the journey with us at Community Day. We have high hopes for our team this season 
and we're honored that the Mini Cougar fans who will be, this is their hashtag, chasing greatness with us can be there for the first practice. Um, in addition to watching practice, Cougar fans can partake in many activities. The Spirit of Houston, the band will be in attendance as well. There'll be kid activity stations around the Hoffice Pavilion Concourse, and there'll be a video tour of the Basketball Development Center. We're looking forward to opening up in November. And then the players will be signing autographs after the practice. Once again, that's October 4th on Sunday from 2 to 4 p.m. Coach Huey got another verbal commitment. They announced their rights, and UH women have both announced their 2015-2016 schedules. You can go to my Women's Who's blog for that. Welcome Dorian Branch, the newest member of the, well, Suburbal. So until she signs that on the dotted line, they have five of them. And uh, Coach Huey does believe that all five players will sign in uh, November in the fall signing period. Dorian Branch, 5'11", guard. So guard, height there, Willie. Trying to get some height there in the backcourt. Six feet. I'm going to turn it to his face. Six feet, guys. He's from Richardson, Texas. He averaged uh, 15.3 points last season. For Richardson, she's a product of DFW Elite Program. So he's he's, no, he's, he's tapping the pipeline, the pipeline for talent. Oh, uh, one of the young ladies is from Episcopal, well, not Episcopal, but from uh, Houston area high school. Oh, yeah. And then you go to my blog. We got Jasmine Harris, Natasha Mack, 5'10", 6'4", Natasha Mack, Angela Harris, 5'6", and Quatera Limbrick, 5'7". So he got some point guards, scoring guards, and some post players. And he's not done. He's got he's, Working on trying to get another post uh, player. Yes, looking to try to get some more height to join this squad. <clears throat> so there we go. Got that mentioned out there for you. Yeah, uh, Quatera Limbrick is from Episcopal High School. So yes, <clears throat> there we go. Kudos to uh, Simi Colson from Girls Prep Report for keeping track of the girls' talent in the state of Texas. Going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.